new here, maybe you've been with us for a couple of times, you know that we are in a series called Guardrails. In fact, you saw that. No one needs one until they do, right? We're in week three, right in the middle. Pastor Reagan has brought the first two messages and those first two messages, we kind of established what are guardrails. And we said that guardrails are systems designed to keep cars from going into dangerous zones. If you see on the streets, guardrails are placed in safety zones And the goal of guardrails is to keep the cars from going into a place where it's gonna be really bad, okay? So that's what a guardrail is. A guardrail is there to direct and protect us, okay? So Pastor Reagan said that then it means that we probably need guardrails in our Christian life. Now here's what he said, and I thought this was really great. Guardrails do not save us, okay? So we're not talking about if you do this, then you will be saved. We are saved by faith right? It's an invitation of grace by God. That's the only thing that saves us. However, Paul said in the book of, in, in the book of Ephesians, he said, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise because the days are evil. So that lends us to believe that there is a real enemy and we know that his goal is to still kill and destroy, right? And so if he has a plan of destruction out for us, then maybe, just maybe, if we're called to live carefully and wise, then it would behoove us to have guardrails in our spiritual life to keep us from going into dangerous zones. That is why we're talking about what we're talking about, okay? Last week, if you joined us, if you didn't listen to it, I would highly recommend you listening to it. It was a very, very good message on, we talked about the first guardrail and that being your money. How many of you guys know that there are guardrails we need to have when it comes to our finances? We talked about the fact that the, the love of money is the root of many kinds of evil things, right? So here's the thing we talked about last week. It's not that we need to hate money, but we need, it, we need to not love it either. There's this tension that we have to balance and it's all about, it, do we trust God? Are we intentional with the things that he's given us and does he have access into it? Can he say how we get to choose to spend it? That's really what that was about. And the fact that if we are gonna be generous people, then we need to have guardrails. We need to be able to have places that keep us from getting into dangerous zones, right? So today I'm very excited because we are in week three and today our message is called Taming the Tongue. Yeah, it's gonna be tough, okay? Just gonna go ahead and warn you. Taming the Tongue, we're talking about the guardrail of the tongue. So if you'll join me, we're gonna pray and then we're gonna get right into it. Lord. We love you so much. God, we're so thankful that we've already had an opportunity to come before you and to lift you high in our lives in worship. God, worship is really just ascribing you glory and it's putting you first in our life. So God, we ask that in the rest of this time that you'd be with us. God, I thank you that your word is alive and active, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, that it lays open our heart and it exposes what's in us. I thank you that your word, it shows our hearts and our attitudes and our posture. So Lord, today, we all pray individually that you would show us what you want us to hear today, God. God, may we live with our lives open that you can touch every single part. I pray that you would be in the rest of the time that we have together and everyone said, amen. Okay, so today we're talking about the tongue, okay? Here's the thing, the tongue is a really interesting thing. I don't know if you've ever really thought about it, but do you know that the tongue is a very, very small part of your body, it's a muscle. And in fact, it's not just a muscle, there's actually a, 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 there's like five or eight muscles that actually make up what the tongue is. So it's a very interesting thing that we have in our mouths. 
and that our tongues are what enable us to actually say words. We communicate, we have to have the tongue to be able to do this. And it's one of the smaller muscles in our body, but it has the potential to have the greatest impact in our lives. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Because how many, and I, I, here's the thing, the tongue is everything. The words that you speak, they matter. And I already know that you know this because raise your hand if you have ever said something and the moment you said it, you immediately regretted that you ever did it. I have two hands raised and if I could raise my feet, I would do the same thing. <laughs> because we have all been at a place where when we know when we said it, we weren't thinking, we said it. And if we could, if we could have hide or hidden or run away, it would have been easier than having to face the fact that we just said that thing, right? And actually when I was thinking about this and preparing, I actually thought about a story in my own life. Now it wasn't necessarily something that I said, but it was something that was said to me, but I think it just easily demonstrates what we're talking about today. So I started college in 2005-ish and my whole life growing up, I was told that I should be a doctor. My parents were like, you should be a doctor. I, I think just because like they probably make a lot of money and like, you seem like you could do that. And I was like, okay. So, you know, elementary, middle, high school, what are you gonna be? I'm gonna be a doctor. I'm gonna be a doctor, a doctor, a doctor. Nothing in my life would have said that I was going to be a doctor except for the words that I spoke because it wasn't like I was loving biology or even good at it. I wasn't taking any kind of chemistry classes or anything of the sort, but it was just, um, hey, you're gonna be a doctor, you're gonna be a doctor. I'm like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm gonna be a doctor. So here I am, I'm gonna be a doctor. Well, I graduated high school and went to college was pre-med my first year. And when I got into biology 1107, I realized very quickly, I cannot be a doctor. Because they started talking about DNA and blood and it coming out of places. And I was like, no, there's absolutely no way. I could never do that. Like, I don't wanna be a doctor. I shouldn't be a doctor. And in fact, if someone had asked me what I really wanted to be, I wanted to be a ballerina and do nails on the side, but that just didn't seem like it was a part of the plan that my parents had for me. So I was like, I'll be a doctor. So here I am, I'm not a doctor at all, and I had to figure out a major. It was a really, really huge time in my life where I was struggling through like, what was I gonna do with my life? I had, been, I had thought I was gonna do something my entire life and it just wasn't working out. So I was subsequently every major that you could possibly be. I would just pick one random a week. Like I was political science one time, couldn't care less. I was like art history. I don't even know what art history people do. Um, I was everything that you could be. And I ended up, just because it was like a, just a tough time in my life, I had moved away. I went to Colorado. I did an internship at a church out there. Life-changing. I moved back home. I knew I wanted to finish my college experience. And at that point, I had realized, you know what I can do? I can talk. Like, if I actually say words, I can do that because I have a tongue. And it's not really hard for me. So maybe I could be a communications major. And then I found out in communications, you could do public speaking. And so I literally got a degree in talking. That's, I, I don't know that it, that it gets you any kind of jobs later in life, but I got a degree in talking. It is what it is, okay? But one time, it was during my college experience, I was like probably a junior or senior, and I had a group of friends at this college and they were telling me, hey, you've got to meet this girl. She's been coming to our church, she's new. Um, she, you just seem like y'all would hit it off, y'all have to meet, you have to meet. And I'm like, okay, we'll set it up, you know, like I'll, I'll meet with her or whatever. So I'm, I remember very clearly, I was in the student activity center at AU. I was standing at the bottom of the stairs 
And here she comes. I knew it was her because she was looking like she was confused and I was confused. And she's like, Jessica? I'm like, yeah. And so we're talking and you do what you do in college. The first question I asked her is, what's your major? Right? That's what you do. So immediately she's like, oh, it's cell molecular biology engineering with a degree, I'm gonna, in, with a, a degree in saving the world. And I was like, wow. I literally, like, I can't even describe to you what she told me because I didn't even know that existed as a major, if I'm honest. And honestly, if people are doing that in life, it's like more power to you. Like, you're incredible. So here she is, she's doing this. And I'm like, wow, you're so smart. And she's like, well, <laughs> and then for five minutes proceeded to go on about how smart she was and how, you know, in high school, she'd always worked this hard. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I was egging her on like, wow, like how do you even have time to rest? She's like, I don't even know, you know, blah, 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 blah. Literally, I'm like, wow, it's just like your life. She goes, I know. And she literally goes, I'm not kidding. Do you know how many times I wake up in the mornings and think I should do something else, something stupid like communication? And immediately I was like, I know, right? Like you should. And so we're talking, talking, she stops and she's like, okay, natural pause in the conversation. What's your major? And I looked at her and I was like, communications. And if you could have seen her face, if I could play it up there for you, this would be what it's like when we say things without thinking. We've all done it. And she was horrified. The good thing is, is that I was pretty secure in the fact that I can't do biology and talking is what I'm going to get a degree in. So I was okay. But the reality is it's like, that's, it's why they compare it to like, it's like when we say words without thinking, it's like toothpaste coming out of the bottle, right? Once it's out, you can't put it back in. I don't know if you've ever gotten too much toothpaste on your toothbrush, you can't put it back in. Once it's out, it's out and it floats down the drain. It's just the nature of it, okay? That's like our words. Once we say them, they're out there. And there are consequences to the things we say when we're not watching our mouths. And so today, we're going to be talking about our tongues because we live in a culture where right now, you know, you know what culture says to us right now? Say whatever you want. If you think it, you should say it. And not only that, you don't even have to say it. You can actually sit in your seat, take out your phone, a small computer, and you can comment, give an opinion, leave a comment here, give a review there. You could do whatever you want. And now you can say whatever you want and you can do it and nobody will know who you are. So now we're even more brazen to say whatever it is that we think. In fact, when I was doing some research, I looked up the worst customer complaints and literally I found one. It was a Jimmy John's worker. He said, I work at Jimmy John's. The other day we had a customer come in and she ordered a sandwich and I made it. When I went to ring her up, she said, I'm sorry, I'm not paying for that. And he said, why? She said, you made my sandwich too fast. That's literally the world we're living in. It's like, I can have an opinion and not only can I have an opinion, I will say it. I will type it, I will message it to you. And so we're at this tension because we have a culture that's telling us, do, say whatever you want. You got freedom of speech, do whatever you want. If it comes in your head, say it. And who cares? You know, it's like, well, I was just, you know, I'm just me. I'm just, you know, like I'm an extrovert or I'm just, I'm, I'm a dominant personality, it's whatever. And so now there's just, there's no accountability in our words. But the reality is, is the reason why we're talking about this today is because if you read your Bible, God takes what you say very seriously. To God, it is not some minor thing. And the reality is for us as Christians, what happens, the danger for us is that we make categories of sin, don't we? 
We have these ones over here that are horrible, right? This would be like murder, you know? This would be like cheating and stealing and adultery. It's like, well, I'm not doing that. And over here we put like lying, gossiping, like flattery, insincere words. And we're like, those are two totally different things. The reality though is for God, they're the same, sin is sin. And God takes what you say very seriously. In fact, in Matthew 12, Jesus himself said, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have ever spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. Your words are being recorded and one day every word that you've ever said will come to judgment. This is a very sobering passage. In my opinion, it's one of the scariest ones in the Bible. Because how many of you guys know, we're all saying lots of things. And for the most part, we're not really thinking about it. We just say things. But God takes it very seriously. What comes out of your mouth is unbelievably important. In fact, in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruits. We can see if you go back to, to Genesis, Chapter one, God's creating heavens and the earth, right? He's like creating the earth and the heavens and light. Do you know what's interesting about that? Is do you know when God is creating, he's speaking it. He says, let there be light and there was. And he said it was good. Let there be night and there was. So if we're created in the likeness of God, which we are, you're created in his image, then there is something about the words that we speak that have power. They have unleashing power. And in fact, in Proverbs, it says it has the power of life and death. Now, here's the thing. The enemy wants to distort everything, right? So what he does is he comes in with truth like this and he distorts it. So this is how we get these little side things like the prosperity gospel where it's name it, claim it, things like that, okay? Because they say, oh, well, if I have power, then I'm going to say that I am gonna get a red convertible tomorrow. Well, guess what? I can say that all day long and a red convertible, unless I go out and buy it, is not gonna show up in my driveway because we don't have the power to create. But what God is showing us here is that we have the power. Our words are either agreeing with God's plan for our life or our words are agreeing with the enemy's plan for our life. That is the power of our words. What are we agreeing with? Are we agreeing with the things that God wants for us? Are we agreeing with what the enemy wants, which is our destruction? And so if it's really important to God, then this should be an area where we have guardrails. We don't have to even ask if we should. If God takes it this serious that you're gonna have to give an account for every word you speak, then I can tell you this is an area as Christians, we need guardrails. So we're gonna be in the book of James because James has a lot to say about our mouths, our tongues. In fact, James chapter three is the longest discourse in the Bible about the tongue. So this is where we're gonna be. And if you're a young adult, we've been in the book of James for a couple of months now, we've been having fun. We just open it up, read it verse by verse. And that's kind of what I wanna do today. Cause I feel like the word is gonna show us exactly what God wants us to hear, okay? So we're gonna be in the book of James now. James, I do wanna give you a little context about the book of James. So James, this is the half brother of Jesus. Imagine growing up in a household with Jesus, okay? And now he's a believer, which is really cool that he's believed in this, in Jesus, God incarnate, who 
was his brother, but now is his savior. And so, G, so James is, he's a believer and he's actually one of the early leaders in the church of Jerusalem in the early church. So Jesus has ascended. James is now here with the Christians in Jerusalem. Now, Paul and some of the other disciples, they would go off on missionary journeys, but James stayed in Jerusalem. So James is, and in fact, when we, we read the book of James in chapter one, verse one, we can see that the Israelites, the Jews there, they have scattered. There's a lot of persecution going on in the church. Stephen has been martyred, they're scared. So the people have scattered and James is writing this letter to the Christians in Jerusalem. So that means if you are a believer in this room, these are words for us. These are words for Christians. These are not words for like, oh, that's for unsaved people. No, 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 this is for us, okay? And James, I'm just gonna go ahead and give you a warning. He's going to step on our toes. That's what he does. That's why it's probably one of my favorite books of the Bible because he's just really blunt and honest. And sometimes it's just kind of nice. He does, he's not really gonna like sugarcoat it for us. He's gonna say, this is what it is, okay? James is not gonna hold anything back. This is a practical and ethical book. This is a how to live as a Christian book, okay? It's very practical. And in fact, the theme, if you could give James a theme, it would probably be what we believe should change the way that we live. He talks a lot about the fact that if we believe something, then our behaviors will be different, okay? So we're gonna read through James and I'm gonna, I think James kind of points out four reasons why our words are so important, okay? So let's jump into it. James chapter three, verse two, it's gonna be up on the screens, follow me here, okay? Verse two, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Okay, I want you, I wanna clarify two words in this verse right here. Number one is stumble, okay? Now, when James says many of us, we all stumble in many ways, he's not saying that we fall away from God completely. What he's saying here is we all get tripped up. So this is a tripping up, okay? And he's saying, listen, we all get tripped up in a lot of ways, which is true. We all get tripped up in this life in many ways. Now, the next word I wanna kind of give some clarity to is perfect. When he says anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, what he means by perfect here is mature. It's not that you're sinless, it's that there's maturity, okay? So what James is saying is, listen, we're gonna get tripped up in a lot of ways. A lot of the ways we're gonna get tripped up have to do with our words. And how many of you know that's true for us? For most of us sitting in here, it's not gonna be some huge thing. For most of us in here, it's gonna be these little things. It's gonna be the words that we say. We're gonna get tripped up in it. And so he's trying to bring us clarity here because the reality is we live in a world where we're careless about our words. We live carelessly about what we say. We just say whatever we want. And what James is pointing out here, the first thing he says is that my words are a measure of my spiritual maturity. He is making a correlation that your words and your spiritual maturity are connected, okay? Now in Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So Jesus is connecting for us that our words do not come from some magical unicorn land, okay? We don't just, we're not grabbing at them. They actually are coming from within. So our hearts and our mouths are connected. So let me ask you a question. If you're with someone and the majority of what they're saying is things like complaining and being critical and being judgmental 
and gossiping, saying horrible things about people. They're cursing. They're, they're just, they're, their words are filled with per, perverse things. What happens is we start to get an idea of who that person is by what they say. So if you wanna know if you're mature in the Lord, one of the measures for you to look at is the words you speak. And the reality is, is that for all of us, the goal in our Christian life is to become mature. We're not called to stay infants. We don't get saved and just sit there and go, it's awesome. No, we actually mature, we transform, we become more and more like Jesus, okay? And the reality is, is that our words, the things that we're saying is revealing something about the level of maturity that we have. In fact, in James 1, chapter 1, verse 26, he says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, they deceive themselves. And their religion, their service to God is worthless. He is literally saying, for those of us who say we believe and we can't keep a tight rein on our tongue, then everything we're doing in service to God is worthless. He's not holding anything back, okay? Let's move on, verse three and four. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever the, wherever the pilot wants to go. Now I have a photo they're gonna put up, up here. And on one side is the bit and on the other side is the rudder. I thought this would be a good picture. Maybe you've never seen it before, but over here with the horse, now the reins, the things that you hold on to, that's not the bit. The bit is actually that silver part right there. And it actually goes into the horse's mouth and there's another one on the other end. The reins are tied to it. And the, the bit is what is able for you to control where the horse is gonna go. When you have an untamed horse, you have to use a bit. They, they're not gonna go, they're not, you can't just get on them and just say, okay, let's go. They don't do that. You actually have to put this thing in their mouth so that it determines where they go. James is saying that this is how our words are. On the other side, you can see the rudder, okay? That's a huge ship. We can't even really see the whole ship because it's that big, but you can see that little tiny rudder right there. And what he's saying is the ship is massive. It's huge and it's glamorous, but you know what? The thing that determines where that thing is gonna go is that little contraption right there. The rudder is what actually steers the boat. And the point that James is making here is that my words determine my direction, okay? Your tongue has the power for good and for evil. And the reality is, is I know what we're all saying right now. I, I can imagine where you're thinking because I've thought it too. Maybe you haven't thought this, but I'm just gonna be honest where I've been. I've literally, am just even preparing this and like going through James with the young adults, you know what my response could be? Like, well, then I'm just not gonna talk. Like, I just didn't wanna do it then. Like if it's just, it's so, you know, it's determining my direction and it's, you know, showing my, I just, then I'll just be quiet. When that's probably impossible, obviously for me it is, but you know, the reality is, is that's the wrong way to look at it. Because guess what? For the unruly horse, it needs the bit. It, it, the goal for it is not to stay in the barn. It's useless in the barn. It needs the bit to be controlled. And if it's controlled, then it will, it will do what you want it to do. It will obey. And so what James is showing us here, and the question that he's begging for us to ask ourselves is who is controlling the bit and the rudder of your life? Because your words are coming from your heart, right? 
and your words are determining the direction of your life. Is it going towards life or is it going towards death? When you're in your, your workplace, right? I'm just gonna be really honest. When you're, because what, what can happen is we can compartmentalize our lives, right? We can have our church life. We come here and we say all the right things, say all the spiritual things like amen, brother, sister. We do all the things. Then what happens is we go to work and because they're a little different and they're a little bit more worldly, we say things that maybe we normally wouldn't or we go to school and we do that. We, we tell the perverse jokes that we normally wouldn't do. We say the curse words that we normally wouldn't do because I mean, they're all here and they, they don't get it, you know, whatever. And we, you know, maybe we flirt with a coworker and we shouldn't, we're flirtatious. And the reality is what James is saying is, is that your words are leading you in a direction and you need to be careful because they're taking you somewhere. That's how important your words are. And the reality is we all need the Lord to control the bit and the rudder in our lives. That's what he's, that's what he's compelling us to know is that the Holy Spirit needs to take the reins. Someone's got to, because if we don't, it's out of control. Okay, we're gonna move, move on. Verse five through six, it says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Yay, it's like the most encouraging words we could say today. Do you know what he's saying here? In fact, I have this photo that I wanna put up. This, this right here, this is a fire, obviously. But interestingly enough, I actually flew into Colorado when this fire was happening. This was called the Black Forest Fire. It happened in Colorado Springs, Colorado in June of 2013. Because I did my internship in Colorado, I have a lot of friends that live there and I was visiting one of my friends and I, we were kind of like on, you know, as we were getting ready, like, can we do it, can we not? Because they were, you know, turning some of the planes away, but we were able to fly in. It was very devastating because I, it, this was a place that I had lived and I saw the devastation from it. And in fact, this is the second largest, most devastating fire that Colorado has seen. And it says that it destroyed 14,280 acres of land, this fire. It destroyed 509 homes and it killed two people. Okay, when they did investigation on this fire that was 14,000 acres large, they narrowed down the place where it started to a very, very, very small mile radius in a neighborhood. And they think it was probably arson. What James is painting here, this is an incredible picture, a warning for us. This is what our words are like when they are not tamed. They are destructive. What you said in one flippant remark, in one sarcastic remark, without thinking about anything, could have the power to destroy someone. And in fact, if you wanna get, I mean, if you really wanna go there, when James says, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell, do you know what James is alluding to here? He's basically saying our words, because they can be destructive, they have the power to destroy, which that is my next point that James is making, that my words have the power to destroy, that because of that, that the enemy himself can use my words to destroy somebody else. 
That's actually what he's saying. He's saying not only do your words have power, but your words have the power. You can love God all day. But when we don't have the bit in our mouth, when our tongues are not being under submission of the Holy Spirit, what can happen is we say things and without even knowing, because our intention whenever to be that, we say things and because the enemy, his goal for you is destruction, guess what his goal is for your neighbor? Destruction. And because that is his number one goal, he will even use the things that you say flippantly so that he can destroy someone else. And that is why this is so important that we understand that we have to have guardrails in this area of our life because our words will either injure or they will inspire. They will do two of those things. Your words either injure or they inspire. And because my, my tongue is a potential world of distractions, what I say matters. And you know, the reality is, is that all of us we know that this is true because if we're all honest in here, for most of us, and if you don't know this, praise the Lord, but for most of us sitting in this room, we can recall a word that was spoken to us at some point in our life that unless we lay it down constantly, we're tempted to still think about that thing. That time where someone called us stupid or that time where someone told us that we'll never be enough or that time where someone said something and you can still play it over. You can hear it in your head. And that is the enemy's goal in your life is to destroy it, destroy you. So hopefully he's like, well, hopefully you, you replay it enough where you start to think that's who you are. And then you'll never do what I've called you to do. That's, that's and, and the reality is that we can be the ones that start that for somebody. I don't want that. Okay, we're gonna keep moving right along. Verses nine and 10, it says, with the tongues we praise our Father, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. What he's telling us is we have a war going on because what happens is we come in here and we have a really good time and we come up here and we sing all these songs. We did it this morning, right? I wanna be like you, Lord, take my heart. You have everything. And then we're, you know, we're singing about how great God is and we'll do it and we'll come in, we'll say all the right things. And then what'll happen is we'll go and get in our cars and we'll text someone, did you see her outfit? Did you see how she looked? Can you believe that she said that? We get online, we start commenting things we start speaking negatively towards our spouse or our kids because we're tired and we're hungry. And so without even thinking and pausing, we just say whatever comes out, but we excuse it because, well, I mean, I was hungry, so. And that's, that's what happens, that's what he's talking about. He's actually saying that our mouths are hypocrites. They are contradictory. That what we will do is we will praise him with our tongue and then we will talk about people whom God loves. And what he's pointing out and what he's gonna to continue to point out is the last point is that my words reveal my heart, right? Jesus has already made this connection with us, right? That our hearts and our mouths are connected. They're not separated. We're only speaking what's inside of us. And in verse 10 and 11, he says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. 
Now, what he's saying here, it's very important for you to know that in the Bible, a lot of times springs, when he's talking about springs, it actually is a metaphor for the heart. So what he's saying is, practically speaking, he's saying, listen, salt water and fresh water cannot come from the same source, okay? You cannot go to Hilton Head Island and go to the beach and, and get in a freshwater beach. That's not gonna happen. There's going to be salt water in it. There's never gonna be a time where that beach is half salt water and half fresh water. Because if it is an ocean, it is salt water. Now, if you're in a lake, you're in fresh water, right? Because what is happening in it is showing us what it is. What that thing is actually revealing the nature of the thing, right? Because he's saying, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? If you planted a fig tree in the backyard of your house, and when you went to go get a fig because you wanted one, and it, you pulled off olives, that would be weird, okay? And what would happen is, over time, you would start to think, maybe that's not a fig tree, because a fig tree should produce figs. So if it's producing olives, it might not be a fig tree. He likewise says, or grapes bearing figs. If you go out to get some grapes and there's figs there, it's not a, it's not a grapevine. And so what he's saying is, is that the problem isn't really my tongue, it's my heart. The problem is my heart. And the reality is, is what I hope you know today that this, this, this message today, this isn't about like language modification. This isn't about like us like, okay, well I can't gossip and slander and blah, blah, blah. blah. This is not a list because that's what can happen when we talk about a series like this. We're kind of giving guardrails is that we start to form like, it, then it's this and this, it's, that's legalism. The goal for this is that we need to ask God to look into our hearts. Because in verse eight, James says, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You can't tame it even if you wanted to. It's literally, he's saying, it is a restless evil and it is full of deadly poison. The only person who can tame your tongue is God himself. You can work really hard and you can modify your language all day, but the only person who can really tame your tongue is God, which means that we have to submit our tongue to God. And the reality is, is that what James is really saying here is a very sobering thought because what he's saying here in verses 10 and 12 through 12, he's saying literally that if you are a Christian, if you say that you're a believer and that God lives in your heart, but when you talk, your words are full continuously, okay? We're not talking about the stumbling. We are gonna stumble in many ways. I'm talking about continuously, if your words are gossip and slander, it's perverseness, it's cursing, you're making crude jokes. You talk about people, you laugh at people. Doesn't even bother you to do it. Like your, your gut reaction is just to be judgmental, to be critical, to be abusive with your language, to say things in anger, to lash out. That if you consistently do that, but you say that you're a Christian, well, according to this, he says, you might have to rethink that. Because if you're a Christian, then your words will be marked by Christ. There is something about the things that you say that would make people know who Jesus is. 
So that's, that's literally what he's saying. And I think that's a really good question that we need to ask ourselves today. This is for me and this is for you. Is that, what is, has my heart really been changed? Has my heart really been changed by God? Because if I say that I'm a Christian and I've allowed him to come in, then what should be happening is transformation. But if I'm saying that I'm a believer and yet my words continuously say something different, I have to ask myself, am I really? Have I really surrendered my heart to God or have I just said some words? And we need to ask ourselves that. It's very important that we know that. It's very important. I think God really cares about our words. He cares what we say we are and if our actions are lining up with what we're saying. He cares about the nature of the thing. He doesn't care about all the lofty words you can say. He cares about your heart and he knows. He, he knows. So we need to ask ourselves that. And the reality is, is that we've said, you know, that if, if we know that, that our tongue is an issue, that's, that's basically what James is saying. Your tongue is a problem sometimes. It has incredible power to be life-giving. It also has incredible power, if not brought under control, to be incredibly destructive. So if that's the case, then for all of us sitting here, we can make the assumption that we need some guardrails in our life when it comes to our words, okay? So I'm gonna give you about three of them, okay? We're gonna go through them. Number one, a good guardrail when it comes to your words and your tongue is you need to allow God to change your heart. That is the first step. If you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, if I'm really honest, which we all need to be, my words don't line up with what I say I am. I say that I am this and my words do not, it doesn't confirm that. Then the first thing I need to do is I need to allow God to change my heart. And those of us who are believers, this is a continuous thing that we constantly have to do is allow God to change our hearts, right? We've said that Christianity is all about God taking this dead thing and giving it life. It's about being a new creation. There's transformation that happens. And so every single day then, it is important that we get our hearts right with God every day. It's not a one-time thing. It is a one-time prayer of salvation where we receive it. But let me tell you, as someone who's walked with God a long time, you know, for me a long time, I, I, I know that every day I have to get my heart right with God. It's not just, you, just when the big thing happens. Every day I have to set intentional time to make sure that my heart lines up with God because the potential for me when I don't is to be destructive and I know it. So then a good guardrail is, prayer here. In fact, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to, we're going to put a, a scripture up there. If you want to take a photo of it, write it down. I would recommend you memorizing this scripture and making it a daily prayer of yours. I love this passage. It's one of my most favorite scriptures. And in fact, for me, most days when I wake up, this is the first thing I'm praying. And it's David. It's a Psalm that David wrote. And he says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. What David is crying out, a man after God's own heart who loved God, he stumbled in many ways, right? He loved God and yet he says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. We have to make this a daily prayer 
that every day that the words of my mouth, the things that I'm thinking about in my heart, that they would be pleasing to God. Because if I get my heart right with God, guess what will be affected? My words. If I make a concerted effort, the first thing I do when I get up is to say, God, you have my mouth. May my words be pleasing to you. May the things I think on and the things I dwell on, may they be pleasing to you. If I do that, guess what's gonna happen? My words are going to be pleasing. I'm not gonna have to struggle as much with destruction. Now, you know, it's a moment by moment thing, but the reality is, is that as we ask God to change our hearts, he does. And as our hearts are changed and they're cleansed, it's like he gives us the words to say. And that leads us to the next thing. The second guardrail that we need to put in our life is we've got to put a filter on what we allow in our heart. Because here's the thing. The first one is, is that we have this cleansing with God, right? That we come in and we ask him, like, make my heart clean. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, God. There's this cleansing thing that's happening. But the reality is, is that we don't put a filter on our hearts. We will make the clean thing dirty. Because guess what happens? We are living in a world where we're constantly consuming. We're consuming all kinds of things. People's conversations with us, the people that we hang out with, the things that they say, the TV we watch, the movies we watch, the music we listen to. All of that is, 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 is putting, we're storing up stuff. In fact, in Matthew 12, 35 through 36, Jesus says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So the question for us here is, what in your life is storing up evil? What what in your life is storing up evil? In fact, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We have to guard our hearts. So the guardrail here is, you've got to put up safeguards in your life where you're guarding the things that are coming in. And if I'm completely transparent, you know, for me, I, I, can, I can pretty much know if I'm in the word or not. And, I'm, and I am praying and I'm, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm pursuing closeness with God because guess what happens? If I stump my toe, the first thing out of my mouth when I'm not is definitely not a prayer, okay? This is just the reality, you know, but it's like whatever we're filling ourselves with will come out. So if I'm filling myself with movies and television where there's adultery and cheating, guess what starts to happen? Whether or not you, you even, the intention is to be there, we start dwelling on that. And then what happens is because it's what we're dwelling on, then our words start to, right? We, we say the things that we shouldn't say to some of our coworkers. We say some things that we shouldn't to our spouse. And this is what I'm talking, like this is why it's so important for you to put a guard up. Let me, let me just say this. When we talked about the fact that your tongue is destructive, do you understand that your tongue is destructive? And in fact, for many of us sitting in here, we need to take a good hard look at the relationships in our life. Because if you're married in here and your words with your spouse are not ones where you're building them up and you're speaking life, even if you don't see it, you're not speaking what could be. And instead what you're doing is you're disrespecting and you're gunning for them and your goal is to just make them hurt. 
you are destroying that relationship. Let me say this, if you're a parent in this room, the things that you say to your kids, they matter. They matter so much. I, I, I've been in ministry a good, a good bit of time in terms of like meeting with people and going on encounters and working things out with people, praying through situations with people. And you will not believe the number of people that I have prayed with in my life. And if they were to get to the root of the insecurity or the rejection, it has to do with what a parent spoke over them at one point. That is how powerful our words are. So when we're talking about putting a guardrail up, a filter, you gotta do that. This is why, because let me tell you something. I'm not a parent yet, but you, I can't imagine that a movie or a TV show, if I let it enough, would cause me to speak ill to my child that it would be worth it. And that's what I'm talking about. It's those kinds of decisions that we have to make. And they're hard to make in the moment, right? Because if you're halfway through the show, you're like, well, I need to see how it ends. But you know that you know it's not good. And you know that you know the language is pushing boundaries you're not even comfortable with. And what happens is before you know it, before you know it, you get so comfortable with it. Or you're scrolling on TikTok and the languages, the words and the songs are just insane. And, and instead of like being convicted about it, you're even just like, well, it is what it is. You know, like I'm just like flipping through it. And that's the things that you're dwelling on. Guess what? It's gonna come out of you. I promise you it's gonna come out of you. That is a principle from the word. And to think that you're gonna bypass it. So we have to put filters in our heart. And guess what that means for us as Christians? It might be uncomfortable. I know we don't like that. It might mean that I say no to something. It's really good to say no to things. We don't have to watch something because everybody else is doing it. We don't have to like listen to that because it's, you know, it's like, we have to realize like, no, 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 I care about my heart. My heart matters. And I know for a fact that if I keep dwelling on this, it's going to come out in my words. And because I know my words can be destructive, I'm saying no to that. That's the kind of conversations, the things that we should be doing. The last guardrail is we've got to decide that we're going to speak words of life can actually get really choked up about this part because if I'm honest, this has been my prayer for you guys a lot today, is because imagine what would happen if all of us in this room collectively would decide that we understand that our words are powerful, that our words actually have life and death qualities in them, that we're pursuing one or the other with them. And what if, as a group of people of us just sitting in here right now, what if we decided that we were gonna go into our community and instead of saying whatever it is that we wanna say because we feel like it, we actually chose words of life. What would it look like if when you left here and you went to the restaurant that you're gonna go to and you get the waitress that you're gonna have and she gets your order wrong and she brings you the wrong thing she messes up the whole thing. And the temptation for you would be to let her have it. And if you don't let her have it, you're gonna be as rude as possible so that she knows that your tone is even communicating something. But what would it be like if we were going to decide that we were going to speak words of life and instead of doing that, we actually thought that maybe if she's doing that, 
then there's a good possibility that she might be going through something that I have no idea about. And that in this moment, I realize that my words have the power of life and death and I'm going to choose life even if I feel like she doesn't deserve it. And imagine what would happen if all of us collectively were doing that in our community, we were doing it in our workplaces, we were doing it in our schools, we were doing it with our families, we were doing it at the park, we were doing it at restaurants. You know what I think would happen? I think people would be like, who are these people? I wanna be around them. I wanna be around people who speak life. It's not fun to be around people who don't. People who speak death are not fun to be around. And let me tell you something, if, you can't, if there is a relationship in your life and the only thing it revolves around is death, as in all you do when you get together is gossip and all you know how to do when you get together is slander people, you need to reconsider. You need to put some guardrails there because we're called to speak life. In fact, in Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So my words aren't even about me. They're about other people. What can I do to build someone else up? What can I do that would be beneficial for them? These kinds of words, they're words of affection. Hey, I love you. You're doing a good job. Have I told you that? Like, you really mean a lot to me. They're words of encouragement. Like, hey, when I saw you do that thing, that really blessed me. Like, hey, you've been working really hard here. I can see that. Words of praise. Look at what you're doing. You're so awesome. We're celebrating together. Words of healing. Words where when the enemy is, is out for destruction on people and we come in and instead of speaking words of death, we actually speak words of healing. What if that's what we did? Imagine what our community would look like. Imagine what our, our city would look like. Our mission here at New Hope is to reach people who are far from God. We're not gonna do it with words of death. We will not do it. People won't wanna be here if that's what we're doing. And it's really important that we today, we ask ourselves, where am I at when it comes to my words? Where am I at? And, and instead of being scared and ashamed, we're just honest. Because guess what? The Lord can redeem it. The Lord can redeem your tongue. And if you allow him and you surrender to him, he'll actually use it. Because the reality is, guys, we have been given the most beautiful gospel message ever. The fact that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the most beautiful thing. He demonstrated his love. He didn't just say, hey, I love you. He actually did something about it. He sent his son so that we could have relationship with him. We have this most beautiful gospel message and yet we, we don't guard it because of the words that are coming out of our mouths. Do you think people wanna hear that when we're cursing and we're profane and we're complaining and we're gossips and we're slandering? So I want you to stand with me as we close. You know, or, um, a couple of weeks ago in my Bible reading, I actually was reading in Isaiah and um, when I was preparing for this, I actually, I thought a lot about Isaiah because when I was reading it, something actually struck me about Isaiah. I've read Isaiah a lot and I never really kind of put two and two together. I mean, I, I, maybe I did, but in, I guess in this way. But you know, in Isaiah, Isaiah is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, right? God called him to be, to speak on behalf of him for his people. But in Isaiah chapter six, we see that this is before 
Isaiah is actually commissioned by God to go. Actually, Isaiah has this vision of God. In fact, when you read it in chapter six, it's one of the most beautiful things that you could possibly read. It says that Isaiah saw, it's like he was transported somewhere and he saw God and he saw him enthroned on a throne. He was on a throne. And it said, the train of his robe filled the temple. And as he was looking, he was seeing seraphims, these angels everywhere. And they were, they were screaming out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's what they're saying to one another. And Isaiah starts to say that the doorposts started shaking, that the thresholds started shaking and said that smoke filled the temple. And Isaiah, what he's getting here is he's getting a glimpse of the holiness and the righteousness of God. These, these angels who are proclaiming who God is, holy, holy, holy. And you know what Isaiah's response is? He says, woe to me, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King in the Lord Almighty. I think it's so interesting that Isaiah sees this picture of God in all of his holiness, in all of his majesty. And the first thing he says is, my lips are unclean. He's literally hearing them worship. You know what he's probably thinking? I have wasted a lot of words when I see this. Being in the presence of God makes me think, what am I doing with my words? And actually said one of the angels grabbed a coal and came over and touched his lips and he was cleansed. And it was after that cleansing that God said, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And you know what the reality is, is that Isaiah would be called to go to a group of people and to be a speaker of God to them. But you know what had to happen first? His lips needed to be clean because he realized when I see my words in light of who God is, woe to me, woe to me. And as I had prayed for you in this morning, I got here early and I was praying in my own office, asking God to do the same exact thing to me. God, I, am, I have unclean lips, forgive me. It starts with me. I have, I have done it all morning long. And I think that for a lot of us in here, this is what we need. We need God to cleanse our lips. We have said things that we should not have said. We have posted things on social media that we should not have posted. We have been careless with our words and we're expecting people to come to God when we're doing what we're doing. I, I, I'm here to tell you that if you're in a marriage and your marriage is struggling right now, I, I would have you ask, really ask yourself, what are the words that I'm speaking to this person? Are the words I'm speaking life or is it destruction? Because maybe you're in a marriage that you've created by the words that you have said. And what if God wants to cleanse your lips so that you build them up and that you get the marriage that God has designed for you? For some of you, you need to have conversations with your kids. There are things that you have said unintentionally, I'm not saying that, or maybe intentionally, where if you're not careful, that will be the lie that that child thinks for their entire life. 
So we're gonna go into a moment. I, I really, I feel very strongly that today we have to repent. We have to ask God to forgive us. And the beautiful thing is that he will, that he will redeem every part of our language, every part of our tongue, every part of our words. He can actually redeem it, he can heal it, and he can restore. But we have to be repentant, we have to let him come in. So as I pray, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute, I'm, I'm gonna give you a minute, and I want you to ask God yourself. I want you to repent yourself. I cannot repent for you, only you can do that. And then I wanna pray for us. So let's take a minute, I want you to pray, all of us. Lord, we love you, God. Lord, we cry out, holy, holy, holy are you. God, you are holy, you are mighty, you are majestic, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is none like you. And God, in the light of your holiness, God, we realize we are people of unclean lips. God, we repent for every place, Lord, where we have let our mouths be a place of destruction, where we have let our mouths be a place that has been a hindrance for other people. God, we repent. Lord, we repent for every time that our mouth has even destroyed our own selves. Where God, the words that we've spoken of ourselves is, I am stupid, I am alone, I am nothing. God, we repent. God, because we were created in your image. That is not how you see us. We repent, Lord. God, I ask in this place that Lord, your healing would be there. God, I pray if there have been places in our lives where words have been spoken over us and God, we have believed a lie, God, that you would reveal it and God, you would heal it. God, I pray, Lord, where there has been a hinder, an area of our life where we, it seems like we can't even make traction, God, I pray that you would reveal if it was a word spoken. And God, that we would be quick to deal with it, Jesus. And God, I pray, Lord, for everyone in this room, God, that you would make them people who speak words of life, that our words, God, we give them to you. We ask that you would have the reins, God. Lord, you would, have the, you would control the bit and the rudder of our mouth, God that it wouldn't be us, God. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking out of emotion. We wouldn't be out of control, but God, we would give it to you. God, that we would pause. We'd give you space to teach us, Lord. God, I pray that you would tame our tongues, Jesus. We give you, we give you the power, Lord. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would make us salt and light in this world, that our mouths, Lord, would be life to people. God, that every place that we go, God, that our words would speak life to people. And God, that they would be able to see you through them, Jesus. God, I pray that you would be with us. God, I pray that this would not be a time where we just came in here and we heard a good message, but God, I pray for fruit in our lives, that we wouldn't just be inspired by this, but God, we would be changed because that's what your word does, it changes us. So God, transform us. God, make our lips clean before you, God. We love you so much. You are so worthy of all of it, Jesus.
We worship you. We give you glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen.